You are listening to Healing the City Podcast with Eric Seepin, Amanda Mark Ward, and Adrian Crawford. We pick up mid-conversation as they talk about somatic counseling and what it looks like to live a healthy and full life. Words that I don't know are somatic and cognition. Like yes. what you mean when you say so that? Yeah, 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 so yeah. maybe let's actually, because we got to go real basic. Let's do the next thing. Okay. Let's just talk about somatic first. Okay. So, and you can explain it to us. Like, okay. What is it? When somebody says somatic counseling, okay. to me, it's I think of a lot of different things, but usually it's like a blob that's like coming at me and it's like a cell. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just have weird, the word has uh, no visual yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, a strange word. Yeah, so. no, thank you for that reflection because sometimes it is, um, uh, this one of the things I love about somatic psychology is they have all these like super weird words and weird sayings and I love them. They're kind of hippy dippy. And, um, but yes, I do forget that they're not common vernacular. So somatic is, I mean, real simple. The word soma is from Greek yes. meaning body. Right. Right. And so somatic psychology is a field of psychology that doesn't just look at thought, but comes into the body um, and looks at what's going on in the integrated system. There's a lot of a lot of things happening in the world of somatic psychology. Um, traumatology is a big one and one of the big drivers of uh, why this field has begun to develop, traumatology being the study of trauma and how it impacts. Right. Um, but this is this is now developing into there's a lot of um, neuroscience that is being incorporated. Sure. There's a lot of work in the attachments, attachment psychology and, and how our earliest relationships um, impact our nervous system and our physiological development uh, and how we can have integrated brain states, having left brain, right brain, cross brain connection. Um, so there's a lot within that field. Yeah. And when I was in psychology, I mean, we were just, all that was just starting in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. just beginning to really, yeah. uh, turn these into a field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was so beginning to, to loosely be the, organize. Right. The yes. front end of all of this. Yes. Yeah. So from my under, okay, well, from my understanding, the modern movement of somatic psychology, I think you could say started in like the 60s and the yes, 70s, right? Um, but the idea that the body and the mind are an integrated system goes as far back as we can trace it. Um, right. Well, I mean, and yes. And you have Plato saying this yes. too. They're separated from each other. We want to. Yes. We want to disconnect the body. And yes. The mind, so, so, yeah, we could have a whole conversation yes. about that. But, but there were a lot of other yeah. um, philosophers at that time sure. that were talking. Sure. We're talking about how um, the body and, and the mind integrate. Interesting tidbit is is what we what we now look at uh, what was called hysteria right, right in the time of Freud and what we now call dissociative um, experiences. These were originally linked to being female. Right. That they that they 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 thought that these experiences had to do with the weakness of being female. Right. Okay, And that in the time of the Greeks, it was theorized that the reason this was happening is what they called wandering womb syndrome. 
where they felt that a woman's womb was literally moving throughout the body. Yeah. And that's what was causing this disconnection and hysteria. It makes so much sense. It makes now. total sense, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's but if you go back and you look at what they thought about the body and all this sure. stuff, it makes sense within that context. It I don't agree with it, but I understand a little bit more about where they're coming from. That said, the idea that the body and the mind and the spirit and emotions um, are an integrated system that interact with each other has been around for a very long yeah. time. And as followers of Jesus, we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. I think in Western Christianity, we haven't. There you, yeah, that's, yes. But I think to me, when I hear that, that makes sense. Right, yes. But I think it is, I think especially in Western Christianity, there is this hesitancy to enter the body um, because there is this fear that uh, to pay attention to the body is to worship it. Oh, right. Well, and it has, it's a carnal thing. Yes. Like tent right. We, we are spirit and we are, yes, we are part spirit. Yeah. We are also part physical and we were created that way yes right this wasn't a result of the fall no we were given flesh from the beginning yeah so this is an important part of who we are and jesus took on yes flesh so it's right. even more right important. right and and i think some of it maybe kind of comes from that idea of like oh he lowered himself right to be a man you know right. um but he created us right in that and you know we could have a whole other conversation about that but that kind of ties into the thing that I wanted to um, talk about a little bit is how do we begin to round out and and fill our experience of this world. In Western society, we overly focus on cognition. So cognition is just the general term for thinking, right? Um, so if you say like, oh, I had this cognition, I had a thought, Right. Or you can say, I'm looking at your cognitions. I'm looking at how your mind works, um, the thought patterns and what are the filters that you put the world through. It's all having to do with thought. Mm -hmm. There's a real quick. I was hiking one day and this woman was talking to a friend and, and I didn't hear the whole conversation, but I heard this. And she said, I don't care what your upbringing was. And what she was communicating was like this idea of the thought of like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you've come from, you can outthink your experiences, right? Like right. we can train people out of mm-hmm. their traumas and stuff mm-hmm. just by positive thinking, right? Is yeah. that kind of what you're saying with like cognitive? I mean, I, I think what I'm, I think that is a very, yes, that is a very common notion that no matter what you have experienced, you can, you can think your way out of it, just think positive. And I would just, patently disagree with that Mm -hmm. i think that the the power of cognition is real but it's not the only way to move out of an experience it's not the only way to experience the world um, and therefore it is not the only element in healing from whatever wounds we have right it's kind of like saying uh the only way to ride a bike is with a bicycle seat yeah in the sense that like this is it. If you yeah. don't, the seat is the only thing that you need for yeah. a bike. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. 
That's yeah. a good way to say it. Yeah, it's it's more than just one piece. Yeah. It's an important piece because yeah. mm. I don't want to ride a bike without a bicycle seat. <laughs> exactly. If you don't ride with the seat, it's painful. It's, pain- it's still you, painful even with the seat. But, right. but you can yeah. still ride the bike. You could still ride the bike. You could. Yeah, that's you know that's a really good analogy. I like this analogy. Yeah, you could still ride the bike, um, but you're handicapping yourself and you're making it more right. difficult. And, and so one of the, the terms I want to introduce you guys to there's is kind of this idea of the channels of experience. And I was first introduced to this through somatic experiencing, which is a particular modality of um, stop modality modality uh, way of practicing. Right. So there's tons and tons of different modalities. But just how do you I think a modality basically just says, how do you explain what has gone wrong and how do you uh, change it? Right. So every modality has a different way of conceptualizing what a person is experiencing and how their history plays into that. And then they also have different ways of like, now, how do we interrupt that? How do we change that? So cognitive behavioral therapy is probably one of the most popular um, in the in the United States and in the Western world. And that is a modality of therapy that highly emphasizes cognition, the idea that what you think impacts what you feel and what you feel impacts your behavior. Totally true. It is. It's totally true, but it's not the only thing that impacts your emotions or your behaviors, right? And that it can also go the other way around. What you feel impacts what you think and so forth. So that's kind of a a brief example of of where I'm coming from and saying like we we overly focus on cognition. And so... Uh, the idea that I want to introduce you to is super funky word. Okay. It's actually an acronym. Cybam. Right. Right. Thank you, Peter Levine, founder of Somatic Experiencing, to give us this super weird word. So it's an acronym, uh, and and when he when when it's introduced in the SE community, the Somatic Experiencing community, they they draw it like a little star, and then like a circle around it, uh-huh. and then they put you know Cybam at each point of the star, yeah. and so then it's like. We're joining a cult, guys. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is that these are five different channels of experiencing. So S stands for sensing, Mm -hmm. I for image, B for behavior, A for affect, and M for meaning. All right. So most of those are um, understandable except Mm -hmm. for affect because affect is one of – is a – a term that professionals it's a psychology use, term. Yeah, yeah it just term. means emotion. Yep. Yeah. So another one, Daniel Siegel, <coughs> who who is a, a neuroscientist in attachment, he focuses a lot on attachment and childhood development. Uh, likes the same concept, but he he calls it SIFT. Right. Which I kind of like a little bit better. Um, and and he talks about encouraging your children to play a game of sifting through their experience. So it's sensing, imaging, feeling, and thinking. Um, and he, so he wrote the whole brain child, which is where he kind of first introduced that idea. So if you want to explore that a little bit more, you can do that in that book. Um, but the basic idea is that we have these different channels of experiencing the world, but we often overly focus and get stuck in just the thought channel, the meaning channel in the Cybam model or the thought channel in the SIFT model. Yeah. And the idea that I, I want to introduce is that we have this whole, we are experiencing the world through our bodies and yes. through the images in our brain and through our feelings. The, the question is, are we connecting with them? 
Are we handicapping ourselves on the bike by not incorporating all the different pieces? Yes. Um, or are we fully aware of the system? Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things that I have begun doing over the last probably couple of years in being exposed to all of this is in parenting, mm-hmm. is training my children to be aware mm-hmm. of what they're experiencing, experiencing yeah. physically. Yes. Um, because that's not what our culture trains them to. They're mm-hmm. they're quite trained to analyze, especially mm-hmm. in my family, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. growing up in that. So, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to know how they're physically right. feeling about things, yeah, or how they experience that or yes. what. So, that, so they, yeah, that's yeah. a yeah. good way of you know beginning that process. But yeah, so the first one in this Cybam, yeah, maybe we we'll have to come up with our own. Uh, I've you point. know I've tried to, and we'll, then I'm like whatever. Yeah, Cybam. <laughs> I just wish you would have switched it, it around to spell Simba. Like, it sounds like a government, you know, secret government right. operation. Yeah, so I I feel like Simba <laughs> is better, but I guess it's a copyright infringement. Yeah, it's so. Kind of so so Cybam, uh, the S. Yes. So, so the somatic. S. Well, let me no, let me or sensing, but so sensing, let me first sorry, say that me. like the idea, the big idea that I want to get across mm-hmm. with this um, before even diving into the individual channels is that the idea is that you have awareness of them, that you have awareness of all of these channels, and you have integration, right? That you're able to um, move freely from channel to channel and incorporate and integrate all of the information that you receive from each channel. Um, openly into your interpretation and your experience of the world. Does that make sense? That makes that makes a lot of sense. But uh, it's going to be a lot for people to remember. Can I okay. maybe throw in a, a, a situation and mm-hmm. you can uh, possibly use it as yeah. we are moving Let, forward? Well, let's, yeah, let's use that situation and then we'll, we'll cut yeah. for the... Yeah. yeah. So a couple of years ago, my kids used to ride the school bus every day. Actually, I think it was last year. And my kids got off the bus. And um, my kids don't often experience physical pain or um, they're not sick very often. They have really strong immunities. And so our immune systems. My daughter started saying that she had st- that she was having stomach aches mm-hmm. every day when she got off the bus. She'd mm. say, my tummy hurts, mommy. My tummy hurt all day at school. Um, and come to find out her brother was getting made fun of on the school bus. And so I realized that the stomach aches were directly related to watching her brother get made fun of on the school bus. And it was affecting her because she rode the bus in the morning mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember if I talked to I probably talked to her about how the stomach aches were probably related to watching her brother. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know if you want to use that. Yeah, as like no, that's a, a great one. <clears throat> that's a great one. Um, so where would you like me to go with that? Would you like me to walk through Cybam? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we'll say sensing is the experience um, that arises from the body, right? What is the, the physical embodiment of what's happening? So in this situation, it would be her stomach hurting, right? right. There are probably other physical cues going on as well. But the one that she noticed most of all was her stomach hurting. Um, Image would be when you go into, uh, most people experience images as being in their head, but some people see them in front of them even. But it's um, just your, either the creative process, I think, of your brain um, providing an image experience of the significance of what's happening 
or it's your brain accessing images from a previous experience. So that could be she's laying in her bed at night and she has that image of being on the school bus, right? Or um, she gets the image of when she's seeing this of maybe what it felt like for her to be picked on in another situation. Um, I have a client that I worked with who had some bad experiences with being publicly shamed and, and excluded by teachers and peers when he was very young. And every year before the start of the school year, he would start having nightmares, right? And so uh, I think that that's another example. That's a big image channel to me is, uh, is when you have nightmares or dreams about things. Um, Let's see. Behavior, if you're looking at the, the Cyban model, it includes behavior. And that's obviously what you do. The SIFT model doesn't include a behavioral element, and that's fine. Affect would be what does she feel? Does she feel sad? Does she feel angry? All these different kinds of things. So if she's coming off the bus and saying, my stomach hurts, did she, she, it didn't seem like maybe that she was able to immediately present her affect. Right. There was a disconnection between what she was sensing mm -hmm. and what she was feeling. Right. Right. And so then we as parents would want to step in and work to develop the connection between her sensory experience and her affective experience. Mm -hmm. And then meaning would be the last bit. And so again, here she didn't come to you and say, you know, he, he's getting picked on and I'm really afraid for him, which would be her affect. And, um, I'm thinking this and, uh, this is meaning with bullying experiences often ends right in beliefs about the self or mm -hmm. beliefs about others. So I'm worthless or I'm a loser or everybody else is mean. I can't count on anybody else. Um, and so you can transfer those over into, to sift. It transfers over or pretty easily into the hot seat model. All this works there. Too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same thing. Um, and so the idea like in this kind of a situation would be, so let's let's say that um, just as a parent, right, uh, your kid gets off the school bus and my stomach is hurting and you make this connection. How do you begin to um, help them to develop their awareness of all of the channels and then begin to integrate them together? Mm -hmm. um, so with that, it sounds like you guys had some really good um, conversations about, okay, what's going on and your stomach hurts? What are you feeling? Like mm -hmm. when your stomach does hurt, um, what is it that you see or what is it that you feel in your heart? You know, kids mm -hmm. often will connect to that. Mm -hmm. um, with an adult, it can be a little bit easier. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. It depends right. on how resistant they are to ask yes. you. Yes. And, and how aware are they of yeah. the other channels? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. Um, and well, then to integrate it, you begin to help them swing from one channel to the other. Okay, your stomach is hurting a lot. Can you swing out of that? Because sometimes what happens is when we get stuck in a channel, we um, become overwhelmed by the information in that channel and then can't move out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, somatic experiencing refers to as undercoupling. Right, that that we get stuck in in one form of sensation because the total experience is too much. Right. So we just stay stuck in in one place, and so that's where you would see if we were to exaggerate this and go to a level of this being a traumatic experience. That usually, if someone is undercoupled, 
if they're telling me what they can feel in their body, they can't tell me about their affect. They can't tell me about their thoughts. They can't tell me their images or anything else. So they can tell me maybe what is their thought. Um, I think that, you know, I'm a loser. Or I think that I'm a horrible whatever. Right. Okay, how do you feel in your body when you say that? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, do you see any images or, or what are you feeling? What are the emotions that go with it? I don't know. I don't know. So that's undercoupled. They're stuck. Mm -hmm. So that's like a non-integrated state. Mm -hmm. um, you can also have overcoupling, which is when they move too quickly from one thing to the other to the other, and it's this very overwhelming experience. Yeah. So somebody um, maybe experienced bullying as a kid, and then they go into a job, and somebody makes that facial expression of, mm -hmm. you know, what's wrong with you? This guy is weird. And it just sets off like this explosion of like, now my thoughts are racing. Oh my God, what do these people think about me? And their heart is racing. So they've swung over into the sensation channel right. and then they're feeling depressed or they're feeling anxious and they've gone to affect. And so, so then what we would do with that is we would want to slow it down and sure. begin to help them differentiate your sensation from your affect, from your meaning and all those different right, kinds of things. Right. So that's the idea of integration, right? right? Is that we want, we want you to be able to have movement that you can, I don't like to use the word control, but regulate. Right. So right. but I don't know if you, you'll get regulate. So it means a little bit more like I'm 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 in the driver's seat, like right. I'm kind of controlling, but I'm allowing free movement. Sure. I'm still allowing my organism and my nervous system to move as it wants to move. I'm not overly controlling, um, but I'm also not completely out of control either. Right. And, and I, I think that you know, in scripture, in particular in Hebrews and there's a couple other places, it talks about like drifting, drifting from our salvation, drifting away and i i think i often imagine what you're talking about as the an un unanchored person yeah so there's there's going back and forth and so i think you know being able to do that also begin like what you're saying is beginning to like be in the driver's seat mm -hmm. has a lot to do with anchoring yourself in your identity mm -hmm. and anchoring yourself as a follower of Jesus in Christ, like mm -hmm. we have to, like we are building that anchor mm -hmm. and this is actually a route to that. Yes. Yeah, like this that's is, exactly what it is. And it's, that's what I, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, this is a way of solving the problem. Yeah, no. And then, no, no, no. This mm -hmm. is an actually a really amazing way to get you to a place where you could actually see Jesus mm -hmm. and anchor yourself to him. Like, yes. So that as these processes happen to you in the mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the power of being a follower of Jesus that's cool is that when you sit with people, you can do that. Whereas when you're not in a, a, a spiritual context, yeah. you can't drive them mm -hmm. towards Jesus. You can give them this. I mean, you can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can make Jesus a little bit visible in, in ways right. that are legal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is like one of the things both legally and ethically that I right. have to wrestle with as a Christian counselor who's not doing Christian counseling. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, is that like, I, I do have to respect other people's, um, other people's beliefs yeah. and I also have to respect my scope of practice that I'm not yeah. there as a pastor or a spiritual right. guide. Right. Um, I can help them think through like how might this impact your understanding right. of your spirituality and your faith. And I mean, that was one of the questions that I had to ask early on in my journey to becoming a counselor because Jesus was so much a part of my path to healing. It was very difficult for me to wrestle with the idea that how am I going to help people right. heal if I can't 
offer them the healer. Right. But then at the same time, I didn't want to go into Christian counseling right. because then like, how about everybody else in the world that yeah. needs that yes. needs access to that I light? Agree. And the thought that I feel like God gave me was all truth will out. Yes. That he just said, Amanda, your job is just to go and bring light. You don't have to bring all the light, but just bring light right. and then let me do what I'm going to do. Yeah. I think it's very powerful. And I, mm-hmm. I think I always tell people, look, when the Israelites left Egypt, they plundered Egypt. They took everything. Mm-hmm. They took all, I mean, things, you know, they mm-hmm. had nothing to do with their faith. They took it all. And all good things mm-hmm. are God's. And so this is God's. It's not It's not yeah. the world's. They don't get to have it. Yeah. And they should have the privilege of somebody who loves God mm-hmm. step into a room with them mm-hmm. and use his tool to help them. Yeah, and I think just it, it introduces them to to the experience because i think this is what this is yeah is it, it's introducing you to the fullness of the world right of your body of relationship of the environments that you live in yeah. um but unfortunately in in western world we are so overly stuck in the thought channel and the meaning channel um that it stifles everything else and i i'm encouraged lately there's the movement within the school systems called social emotional learning where they are starting to bring some of these concepts in Mm -hmm. and i'm very encouraged by that and i give it a wholehearted thumbs up and you know any teachers or administrators listening go get it and bring it in because uh we we want our kids to be sharp, you know, cognitively uh, and intellectually. And we want them to be able to read and do math and, you know, know, know all about history and science and all those things. Um, it, it, the, the verse that comes to me with this is if if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love. I'm just what, like a clinging gong or resounding symbol. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so the idea that like we can go and, and send our kids to school or even in the home, have a lot of conversations about thought and intellect, but completely miss the experience of what is it to be a friend? Yeah. What is it to um, sit and, and look right. and watch a sunset or um, to lose yourself in building Legos or, you know, whatever pursuit it is to open up the fullness. And I think it, it because we are integrated beings, we have all these different channels. When you, in educational pursuits, for instance, open that up, not just to uh, let's read the text, but let's make this come to life. What do you feel when you read this? What do you sense when you read this? You're doing chemistry. You understand intellectually what's going on. What do you sense in your body, right, uh, when you watch this chemical reaction happen? If you talk to a young kid, that's why they love chemistry because it's cool, to watch this stuff happen in front of you. But the older we get, we begin to lose connection to the full experience of what it is to be in this world. We lose the the sense of being kids in some ways and the wonder. I think just to go a little bit back to what I was saying, because I I think we need to end, but what I love about all this is that this is an opportunity, in particular for you, but for also for Adrian and I to interact with, uh, taking what you know, that mm-hmm. you're already practicing as a counselor who doesn't mm-hmm. have the 
the label Christian counselor mm-hmm. and allowing you to explore it in both realms, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. begin to well round that and, and, and express that um, maybe in a way you can't yes. in other contexts. So yes, that's, that's sure. really exciting to me. And that's part of why we're doing this is mm-hmm. to like, we want healthy people. We want mm-hmm. healing to happen and we want people to have tools to connect to Jesus. And yeah. So anyway, that's yes. why we're doing this and I'm so glad we're doing it. And we could probably talk for another five hours, but probably. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. So <laughs> we're going to end it right there. Right. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.